Welcome to the New Day Community Church Sermon Podcast. We hope you're encouraged by this message from the Vandalia, Michigan campus. For more info, look us up at newdaycommunity.org. I'm glad to be here as I always am and uh, looking forward to 2019. Uh, Ruben and I were praying before the service. We just really believe in, in praying and, and asking God that 2019 would be a, a year of breakthrough a year of new beginnings, a year of new growth. Can you guys believe it? It's almost 2020. We're almost two decades into wow. this century. Oh! <laughs> time flies, and we can't waste time. All right? The Bible talks about redeeming the time. And so let's make 2019 worth it by giving our all and expecting God to, to bring about real transformation in this community. Um, I'm also excited about the series that we're beginning. Actually, it's more of a series. I'm introducing the theme for 2019, and the teaching team at New Day has taken, we've actually worked on this for, for a good three months of prayer, discussion, debate, a little bit of argument, <laughs> you know, kind of digging in. What does God want for 2019? We take it very seriously when we plan out, <clears throat> excuse me, <clears throat> the preaching calendar. And we want to hear from the Holy Spirit. <clears throat> Can I have a drink, man? I need a drink. We want to hear from the Holy Spirit uh, so that we can have a message and messages and teachings that line up with what God wants and what the church needs. And so we're going to take a year to talk about the themes of grace and truth. And we got a banner to go with it. <laughs> uh, so grace and truth, these are two absolutely essential aspects of Christianity. You really can't understand Christianity or everything that's within Christianity in some way. Um, uh, is derived from or ties or leads to grace and truth. But what are they? You know, what do these words really mean? And, uh, you know, how do they work together? Is grace in competition with truth? Is truth in competition with grace? Uh, um, you know, or are they complementary? And often they're, they're thought of and understood of as as in competition, like pulling in different directions. Uh, but we want to see, is that, is that what the Bible teaches about grace and truth? Are they in competition or are they complementary? How do they, and then how do they work together? You know, how do we understand and, and grasp the meaning and the implications of each separately? And then how do we grasp and understand and implement how they work together in our lives? Where do we, you know, a lot of people have a lot of grace for their own life and a lot of truth for some other people's lives, <laughs> right? And is that the way it's supposed to be? You know, and some people get condemned because all the truth beats them down and they, they have a hard time finding grace. So understanding how they work together in our lives, in our interactions with one another, in our communities. This is, these are big ideas. And then how do we live it out? How do we live lives filled with biblical grace and biblical truth? Because it, if um, all instruction and teaching, knowledge, 
biblically should lead to an encounter and should lead to a transformation of your life. All right? Not just knowledge. Not just information. Information, knowledge puffs up, the Bible says. And so we don't want just an, a, a, an intellectual or academic understanding of grace and truth. We want an experience of grace and truth. And even more than an experience, you know, you can go to a, a show, and uh, my wife and I went to a show last year in uh, our anniversary or something, I don't know. <laughs> and uh, I don't know how you feel about this. It was, it was, I'm like, I just, like when we decided to do that, I'm like, whatever town we're in, I'm like, what are the shows? And pick, pick the best one. And sometimes it's hard. We were in Toronto and there was a show called The Illusionists. I mean, basically, it's a magic show. And I'd never been to a magic show before. So I'm like, eh, let's give it a try, you know? <laughs> These guys were incredible. All right, like, I am still, like, in awe of what I saw. Like, it's like, that was, that's just impossible. Impossible. Some of the things they did. <clears throat> and so, uh, I had an experience, but, you know, it didn't change me. I'm not trying to do magic. I don't believe they had supernatural powers, even though it appeared they had supernatural powers. I know they didn't have supernatural powers. They were making money. <laughs> a lot of money. <laughs> Some place was sold out, and I know how much the tickets cost. All right? And so it didn't transform me, even though I had an experience. Experience is important. Experience is better than just information. I could have read about the show, but I wouldn't have experienced it. But I, I read about it, and then I experienced it, but it didn't change me. That's not what biblical Christianity is about and what the grace and truth of God is about. He wants you to experience it so that it changes you, transforms you, so that you can then become the grace and truth that you experienced and that you learned about, right? So we're going to do a deep dive into both grace and truth. We're going to take a whole year, and we've only done a year-long series once before, <clears throat> but we're going to break it up. Uh, and so there's going to be a number of <clears throat> four to six weeks uh, series within the series uh, that focus on different aspects of grace and then different aspects of truth. And we're kind of uh, basing this all off of the passage in John chapter 1. <clears throat> I, I, I put in the John 1, 1, but John 14 and uh, John 1, 14 and John 1, 17 are really the, the, um, the text for the theme. So in the beginning, the, the Gospel of John starts out, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And the Word became flesh, and jumping down to verse 14, and the Word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld His glory. So here we learn, out that, learn that the Word is actually a person, His glory. The glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. John bore witness to him and cried out, saying, This was he of whom I said, He who comes after me is preferred before me. This is John the Baptist saying, For he was before me. John was Jesus' older cousin. <laughs> but John says he existed before me because he knew he was from eternal. <clears throat> and of his fullness we have all received 
and grace for grace. For the law was given through Moses, but grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. So twice in this passage, we have the term grace and truth being uh, associated with the person of Jesus Christ. The first one is in 14. The Word became flesh, dwelt among us. We beheld His glory, the glory of the only begotten Father, full of grace and truth. So Jesus equals grace and truth. You want to know what grace and truth put together looks like? Look at Jesus. Look at Jesus. And the word full there means complete. All right? And so Jesus is complete grace and complete truth in one package. All right? So that complete means the fullness of grace and the fullness of truth. There's no grace, there's no truth outside of the person of Jesus. All right? There's nothing that Jesus' truth and grace doesn't envelop. All right? He, he is the fullness of it. And in him we find the fullness of it. And they're brought together. These two big ideas are brought together in one person. And it's super important, and you're going to hear this so many times this year, that you're going to know it by the end of the year, (laughs) that it's a person. Grace is a person. Truth is a person. It's personal, and it's complete in the person of Jesus Christ. It says the law was given through Moses, but grace and truth through Jesus Christ, came through Jesus Christ. And this word came, the, the Greek word means to come into being. All right, It comes into being. And I like how the NASB uh, translates this. And the NASB, New American Standard Bible, is considered the most literal translation in the modern, of all the modern translations, so they try to go, they try to be most accurate to the word by word, where other translations are more uh, 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 thought by thought translations, but the word here is, for the law was given through Moses, grace and truth were realized through Jesus Christ. So the word realized or, or uh, that comes into being is, is important to understand that they they were, they're realized through Jesus. So both grace and truth, and, and grace and truth combined as well as separately, are realized or accessed. You know? It's like you have a key. I drove down here on my motorcycle yesterday. I can't stop talking about it. <laughs> it's January. It was January 5th. Uh, um, I, was, I was halfway down here. I might as well come, I came to hang the banner. Uh, I hope I have the key. For the building. <laughs> you know, I thought I had the key, but I got here and I had the key. And so because I had the key, I had access into the building. All right. And so how do we access grace? How do we access truth? You know, it's not just study. Study is important. Uh, it's not just being nice. Nice is being important. It, there's a key and the key is Jesus. All right. And he gives us access he, uh, uh, grace and truth is made available. It's found and it's personalized through the person of Jesus Christ. So uh, when you want grace, when you need truth, you go to Jesus and you're going to get the fullness of it. And this, this passage clearly states then, 
Uh, Jesus Christ is the primary means of grace. And the primary means, it's, the, it's where we go to get it, grace, and it's how we get You need more grace? Get more Jesus. You need more truth? Get more Jesus. Uh, so we're going to take January through June, <clears throat> digging deep into various examples and teaching of grace and the manifestations of grace that are taught in Scripture. I'm looking forward to one part. We're going to take a whole month and look at Old Testament examples of grace. Because everyone thinks there's only grace in the New Testament. But no, there's grace all the way through the Old Testament. And then a whole month of New Testament examples. And then July through December, we're going to go take a deep dive into truth and explore what and how the Bible instructs us as what is truth. Ultimately, because Jesus is the fullness of grace and truth, we're really doing a year on Jesus. <laughs> so, um, uh, and what I've asked the teaching team, and you can let me know <clears throat> if they do this, and give me feedback. I said, listen guys, I don't want you just to do a teaching on some aspect of grace without tying that aspect of grace directly to the person of Jesus Christ. I don't want you to just teach some idea about truth, what you think is true, or how the Bible presents something about truth, without also tying it to the person of Jesus Christ. Because we have ideas about grace and ideas about truth, but they're often presented and taught as these separate theological doctrines. But they all must be tied into Jesus. Because all of grace and all of truth are manifestations or expressions of Jesus Christ. And so you need to go to Jesus to go get grace, but whenever you find grace and whenever you find truth, you should be, should be able to see Jesus in that. Does that make sense? So it's a year on Jesus, uh, and if you, whatever you preach on, you get more of. Okay? So I'm hoping by the end of 2019, we have more grace. How many want more grace for 2019? How many want more truth for 2019? What I really want is more Jesus. For 2019, in me, in you, in the church, in our community. Okay, why a year? A whole year. Really? A whole year? <sighs> yeah. <clears throat> why? Because they're crucial to the gospel, and they're essential to be and to grow as Christians. You can't really grow as a Christian, and you can't become a Christian. By grace, you are saved, right? right. Uh, you know? And so, you, if you're my disciple, you shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. I mean, this stuff is as core to being a Christian and growing as a Christian, and they're both commonly misunderstood. <clears throat> you know what? The, the biggest division, I read, I was doing some research. Uh, the doctrine of grace has been at the root of almost every uh, church denominational split. Uh, actually, all the way going back to when Luther established the, when the Protestant Reformation, and then everyone subsequent, you know, is is generally about it's the great dividing thing. It's this this understanding of grace, and everybody's arguing about it. It's funny that grace causes division. <laughs> maybe there's not enough truth mixed into it, or maybe they disconnected it from the person of Jesus. But they're they're commonly misunderstood. And they're both, grace and truth, are at the core of potential error, even heresy, pulling at the church right now in our day. Okay? Hugely. Both the issue of grace 
and the issue of truth, there are, there are influences, teachers, uh, whole portions of the church, segments of the church that are like championing an, 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 an understanding of grace or championing an understanding of truth that really contradicts with what I believe to be the, what the Bible teaches. And so we want to uh, do some preventative maintenance. So last fall, I took my motorcycle in and I spent $1,000. And I came home and I said, honey, that's $1,000. She's like, really? What was broke? I said, absolutely nothing. <laughs> I'm like, I said, honey, you don't want to be in a motorcycle and have something break. <laughs> you don't wait for it to break to fix it. I have a friend that owns an airplane, all right? And my gra grandpa owned two airplanes, actually. Um, you don't wait until you're up in the air to check the oil, right? <laughs> in fact, airplanes have a really strict preventative maintenance. Every X number of hours, they have to disassemble the engine and put it back together and check all the parts uh, because preventative maintenance saves lives, all right? And uh, that's what this is intended to be. We want a, a, we want a real thorough tune-up of our doctrine on grace, our doctrine on tr uh, truth, and, and, and get tuned in to God's understanding and revelation so that we can live in the fullness of uh, the person of Jesus Christ who represents the fullness of grace and truth. So, <clears throat> came across this on the internet thingy. Uh, and it's a real simple, basic uh, thing, so I just took it. <laughs> I didn't even uh, look who did it, but it's good. It's a simple chart to explain uh, this, these ideas and the contrast of how people think about it. <clears throat> so we're just going to talk a little bit about this. And so <clears throat> uh, there's, there are teachings and denominations or individuals and even ideas or responses that <clears throat> either end up being high-level grace or low-level grace. So this is a spectrum uh, from low to high in you know, how, how much grace are you operating in or how little grace are you operating in. And the same is, uh, is, uh, applies to truth. Sometimes you, people err and they just don't know what they're talking about or what they're saying is not true, you know? Where other people or doctrines really put a heavy emphasis on truth. Truth is the most important. You know, if it ain't true, you know, then everything's wrong, you know? And so if you have, I just want you to understand this as like a, a dynamic, a fluid thing. And so if you're operating in, uh, in a lot of grace, you're just real merciful and there's, a high level of grace, but you, you don't have a lot of understanding because you don't really understand Scripture, you don't understand the ways of God, you don't understand truth and how it needs to change your lives, then you end up falling into this quadrant over here of permissiveness. Because you think grace is the most important and that true stuff, you know, you can't, that's legalism, that's bondage, right? And so you can, you can live in a state 
of permissiveness. <clears throat> or the opposite, if you're, if you're really high truth, you've really got a lot of knowledge, but you don't understand grace. You don't understand the, that reckless love of God that kicks down walls and climbs up mountains. You don't understand how, how much he loves us and, that, and, and how connected truth is to grace. And you can't, if you don't understand that, then you end up uh, falling into an area of living, uh, either being condemning towards others or feeling condemned yourself. <clears throat> and then uh, um, well, this quadrant down here, if you don't have a, a good grasp of truth, and you don't have a good grasp of grace, you just don't care. You don't get it. And you know, a lot of people in the world are in here. And you know what else? A lot of uh, Christians that get discouraged fall into this apathetic. And I've seen people stuck there for decades. You know, I'm like, the, just get some more grace or get some more truth or get some more of both, and your life will be changed. But they get to a state of they give up. Reading an article in a magazine about uh, uh, why people leave church. And there's, a, there's tons of them. You probably know some. Uh, um, <clears throat> they, people were going to church and they got hurt in church. Whenever that happens to people, I'm like, what did you expect? Church is filled with people. You're going to get hurt in church. Do you understand what I'm saying? You know, I, it's part of the, it's, it's kind of like marriage. You know, you get married and, see, and you have a, a fight. And you, you know, like, some people have, how many have had serious problems in their marriage? I've had serious problems in my marriage. You know? Does that mean marriage is bad? No. Does that mean my marriage is bad? No. I just don't give up. I don't get a divorce and live single because I had a fight with my wife. That's part of the refining process. You know, family's hard. How many have been hurt by their family? I could tell you stories that make you think I need counseling, and I did. <laughs> All right? But you don't get apathetic and give up. <clears throat> Because you have low truth and low grace, what do you need to do? In that situation, you need to get high, more truth or more grace. And of course, the top right quadru quadrant <clears throat> is the area of loving, where you're high grace and high truth. You understand fully what grace is. You understand fully what truth is, and you're walking it and living it. What, which area, which quadrant do you think Jesus lived in? Huh? That loving quadrant, all right? And do you see how you could be like, you know, maybe you're loving, but you're here, you know? Or you're, you're loving and you're here, but you're not up here. This is really, you know, the aim of this chart is not in the center. Jesus is like right up here, okay? Top of the chart. Full grace, the fullness of grace, the fullness of truth. All right? And if we're going to be like Jesus... We need to be, the closer we get there, the better. And so wherever we are at the chart, that's the target up there. Does that make sense? <clears throat> and so, so think about, you know, where do you fall normally? And you don't have to tell me this, but just think for a minute. You know, on that chart, 
normally, normally where do I fall? Where, where, am I, where am I at? What do I think is more important? Truth or grace? When I deal with myself, which is more important? When I deal with someone I'm disagreeing with, which is more important? I'm talking to somebody that, you know, is a Muslim or an atheist. One of my best friends is an atheist. My 40-year evangelism pro project. <laughs> and he knows it. <laughs> and I'm not giving up, all right? Because he's not dead yet. <laughs> and he's a, little, he's a lot closer than what he used to be. Right? So where are you when you deal with other people? Or uh, I tried to think of some famous preachers, but I don't know any famous preachers. I, I can, you know, <clears throat> how about a fundamentalist Bible-pounding preacher? Where, what, where would they generally fall? Where do you think? Huh? Down here, yeah. <clears throat> Hellfire and brimstone! You need to get right with God, or you're going to die, and you're going to spend eternity. I can do that. I actually like doing it. <laughs> it does feel good. <laughs> How about the, I don't like using this term because I actually have pastors that uh, pastor big seeker-sensitive churches, but the impression of seeker-sensitive churches. Where do, you, where do most people think they fall? Permissive, man. We will do anything to get you in the door. I'll swing from a trampoline, yeah. Uh, lights and you know jazz music I went to somebody was telling me they went to a church and they walked in and they were, the, 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 the music team was playing like this completely secular popular song it had nothing to do with Jesus it just was like one of the top pop songs and they were like they were like they were really mad they were really condemning. <laughs> I, was like, I was like, how many people were in that church? Well, oh, 8,000 people. Like, well, they're doing something right, you know. <laughs> I can't get 8,000 people to do anything. You know? <laughs> All right, so you see how that works? So we're going we're gonna to take a few uh, statements, and I want you to tell me where, where they fall. And we already kind of did the first one, but turn your burn! Yeah, so that person needs to learn more about grace. grace, all right? Is it true? You need to repent or you'll perish? Is that true? Absolutely true. Uh, is it truth? Does it reflect Jesus? No. So it's accurate information, but not true. Really, not truth. How about, you know what's true for me? What's true for me isn't, it's just not true. For, I respect your beliefs, but that's just not, that's not true for me. Yeah. So they're high grace, low truth. They don't understand. What do you mean? No, true is true, or else it's not true. And they'll say, well, that's true for you. <laughs> and they're like, well, get a dictionary, man. Because 
it, it just breaks down. How about, I hate those people that say, or I hate people that, that don't believe that doctrine of condemning. You know, it doesn't really matter what the doctrine is. You know? And I've had people get, I saw this guy just melt down with anger over the issue of baptism. Uh, that someone baptized as an adult, someone who had been baptized as an infant, and he got, he was like enraged. I'm like, dude, <laughs> really? You know, church split, people were killed over the argument on baptism. <clears throat> and there's some truth about baptism that I'm like fervent, but I don't get angry about it if someone doesn't understand it the way I understand it. I, you know? Okay, how about the next one? God is love, so Christians should accept everyone. Well, God is love, right? It says that in the Bible. And people need love to, 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 to get through life, don't they? So don't, Jesus accepts everyone the way they are, right? And there's truth there, but it's low truth. Okay, there's not a good undergrass of truth because truth has, you know, uh, demands in it. <clears throat> well, I, I really doubt the salvation of those people who, you know, that person, they use foul language. There's no way they're going to heaven. Really? Hmm. Or um, that person, they had an affair. Yeah, I know they, they stopped it, but there's no way. Really? Hmm. So we're really, you know, where does that fall? Condemning. Condemning. So like I said earlier, we tend to be really grace emphasis when we're talking about the sin we struggle with. But when we talk about the sin, someone struggles with the temptation of same-sex attraction, they're going to hell. But you know what? It's just another sin. Uh, is it a destructive sin? Yeah. But so is adultery. And Jesus said, if you look at a woman and have sexual attraction to them, inappropriate, you've committed adultery. You know, is that destructive? Just as destructive. All right, <clears throat> a few, just a couple more. God don't make mistakes. So I can do, be, or behave as I please. I, God doesn't make a mistake. I'm not a mistake. Therefore, I'm not a mistake. Apathetic. I don't have to change. You know, I, how many have heard that? I have heard that so many times. I'm like, yeah, God doesn't make mistakes, but baby, <laughs> we sure do. <laughs> you know, what I want to say is you do, but we, I do. <laughs> Last one, I'll never measure up why even try. Apathetic. You know, I'm never going to be good enough. Luke said it this morning. I'm not perfect. I'm like, yeah, that's the point. That's why Jesus came. 
Because we don't. There's no way we can measure up. And when we, when, and that's so when we understand the truth that Jesus offers us grace, that even though we are imperfect, we can be transformed into his image by worshiping him and accepting him, we can change. And so we move out of apathy toward a loving uh, lifestyle when we increase in the level of understanding and experience and uh, living grace and increase in our level of understanding and experience true. So we're going <clears> to <throat> talk about some of these tensions between the two ideas and, and um, hopefully by the end of the year have a real good grasp of what grace and truth is. Oh, regardless, oh, there's the last one. Regardless of how I feel, I know God loves me. What quadrant is that? Boom. Had to have one in the good quadrant. <laughs> you know? <clears throat> no matter what you've done, God, Jesus died on the cross for you, and there's hope for you. All right? You can be changed. You can be set free. That's up here in the, in the loving quadrant, and that's where we want to be. We're going to end with this uh, passage from Psalms, uh, because this is true all through Scripture. <clears throat> uh, and I love this passage. It's talking. It's a... It's a passage about the Messiah, um, about Jesus' reign, about his kingdom. It says, Surely his salvation is near to those who fear him, that glory may dwell in our land. Mercy and truth, that's mercy is another expression of grace, it's love. Mercy and truth have met together. Righteousness and peace have kissed. Wow. Truth shall spring out of the earth, and righteousness shall look down from heaven. Yes, the Lord will give what is good, and our land will yield its increase. I love how, uh, especially in the Old Testament, there's this real connection to the land. And God wants Cass County to be transformed. He wants righteousness and peace to kiss here. That there be an experiential, relational connection with both grace and truth in the lives of our community. Righteousness will go before him and shall make his footsteps our pathway. So we're to be followers of Christ in walking in the fullness of mercy, walking in the fullness of truth. And uh, we do that when we come into relationship with Jesus Christ. Would you close with me in prayer? Father, we thank you for uh, that you came uh, to earth um, as the perfect representation of the Father. Uh, Jesus, that you gave yourself, we celebrated communion this morning, uh, and, and all you ask of us is that you follow, that we follow you, that we accept you, that we embrace you, that we receive the free gift of salvation through uh, relationship with you, and then following you day by day. God, I ask that every person here would experience that in a deeper way. And I just pray that over this year, as we dig deep into these themes, you would uh, expand our knowledge, our experience, and most of all, that you would increase the measure that we walk in grace and the measure that we walk in truth on a day-by-day -day basis so we can be Jesus' body, that we can be the fullness of grace and truth through our, our, our family, our friends, and our community. So this this 
region and this nation, this generation can be reached with the gospel. In Jesus' name I pray, amen.